Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monique Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. Are leaders born or made? That is one of the most often asked questions about leadership. The answer is that it's mostly made. Researchers indicate that leadership is about one-third born and two-thirds made. So in short, leaders can indeed be developed. In this episode, you'll meet Daria Gutnick, co-founder and CEO of Bunch, who believes all of us have an inner leader and the best results happen when we dance with leading, allowing ideas to flow freely, unencumbered by roles and titles. Daria shares how leadership is a mindset that can be learned and not some hidden talent that we need to discover. It's hard work, attitudes, and behavior that we show every day. It's showing up every day for our team. Featured in Forbes, Daria is a rebel academic turned entrepreneur with a knack for making psychology tangible. Her motto is grow, inspire, and stay humble. As CEO at Bunch, she is working to redefine leadership for millennial managers, partly because she is one and is on her own leadership journey too. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Daria. Welcome, Daria. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. And I am super excited to learn about all of these cool things that you are introducing to help women and really anybody accelerate in their careers. So uh, without further ado, let's dive right in and Let's talk about Daria. Like, tell us your story. What makes Daria, Daria? Super excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invite and thanks for having me. Um, oh, what makes Daria, Daria? I think probably um, two things first and foremost, and probably a few things after, but two things being entrepreneurship and psychology. I think I have a passion for both. Mm -hmm. And I think my story is very intertwined between both as well. So I um, grew up with an actual entrepreneurial mom who was a big influence on my life. Um, and um, I think a parent that really, really kind of pushed me to always see challenges and problems and, and help resolve them for others. So I think that's a very um, significant influence on um, who I am. But at the same time, I'm also um, a psychologist by training, uh, but also I think to a degree by heart, I'm really curious to not only understand human behavior and kind of help decode it, but at the same time also, I think as a person in the workplace, I'm just extremely motivated and um, feel a lot of gratification from seeing people grow. And so I think it inspired most of the decisions I took um, throughout my career is to always double down on opportunities where I can lift others up and for that myself as well. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, you I have been an academic, you were studying your PhD, and then you said, okay, you like decided to stop your studies and just dive right into the entrepreneurial space and launch um, a company um, within the last year, and you've been really successful. 
what would you attribute to that success? Like what I would say, what, what gave you the clarity, but then what also helped you get that momentum to go forward? This is a really good question. Thank you for <laughs> asking that particular question. I think I, I've ruminated a lot what kind of pushed me to do it. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, a less interesting question to answer from a perspective of I kind of didn't have a choice, I think, because during my PhD, I was studying something similar to, I think, what I'm working on right now with Bunch. Um, we, I was also interested in the human performance. In particular, I was looking into creative performance under pressure mm -hmm. and the intersection to leadership. So I was already kind of drawn to that whole um, topic. But I think when I started doing empirical research with founders, I really understood that this is my tribe, if that makes sense. So I think yes. the intellectual side of me always enjoyed the research. And I'm there is a few things or a lot of things I actually enjoyed during my academic period. However, I always struggled imagining myself being in that world for kind of the rest of my life. And I felt quite trapped very often. Mm -hmm. And I didn't dare to break out for a really long time, which is why I spent three and a half years researching and publishing papers. And um, I always had this pressure of like, how, you know, can you, you can't just leave a PhD program, like 0.9% of the population ever get the chance. So Daria, please appreciate and finish it. Right. And I'm really, really happy I did because it definitely, I think, is much more my thing to build businesses and to solve problems in a slightly more dynamic way Right. Um, than you can in academia. But I really enjoy that intersection between kind of um, organizational behavior and then also research, which plays a big role at Bunch again, uh, mm -hmm. and knowledge, um, and then the dynamic uh, kind of approach to solving problems, the iteration, the agile right. development um, that we currently see, especially in the tech uh, realm. And I think on the success side, well, <laughs> uh -huh. um, not being a foreigner to the imposter syndrome, which uh, mm -hmm. visits me often, which maybe um, some of uh, our audience also can relate to. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I don't always know, actually, what, what makes me successful. And if I do have success, I always wonder, am I really? Maybe it's just by chance. Right. <laughs> and it was just luck. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's tricky to, um, to think about it, but hence I'm glad you asked it because I do think there's a few factors that I have built on over time and I think they are probably worth sharing. I really believe that being obsessed with the problem um, is a very important part of not only entrepreneurship, but I think overall of any successful career. In the end, it's really the passion, the dedication, the focus, and mm -hmm. the persistence that you exert as an individual to really think hard about the problem that you're working on. And I think mm -hmm. if you do that, in probably majority of the cases, you will produce very meaningful outcomes and you will see positive impact on, on your surroundings and, and therefore also on your team and yourself. But it's really difficult to sustain over long right. periods of time unless you're really passionate and motivated and intrinsically motivated to work on that topic. And I think that has been a big mantra of mine for the past couple of years, which also mm -hmm. leads to the ability to say no, which for me personally was always very hard, still is hard. Right. But I've learned to appreciate it um, and, and to push myself harder to really ask, is it necessary right now? Does it help me to complete my goals? Is this in line with my mission? Mm -hmm. And does it really actually lead to anything meaningful because there's a lot of opportunities in the world um, right. that 
you can jump on, but it's kind of also like a bus. They come and go and you can jump on the next one. So thinking really hard about what is it that you are working on? Why are you working on it? And then making deliberate, deliberate choices on where to spend your time and energy, I think is very important. I, that's fantastic that you mentioned that because you gave yourself the time and the space, right, to ask yourself those questions. And those are hard questions to ask of really aligning yourself to your North Star and really determining, is this going to get me there? How is this going to be beneficial? Now, you had a significant decision where you said, you know, in your head, you were playing out all these things of like, how can I drop out of this PhD program? Nobody ever does that. So, there were all these limiting beliefs and these kind of like maybe social norms that you were kind of playing to. What were, you know, take me through that of like, how did you, how did you weigh out the risk and reward? You know, what were the questions that you asked yourself and what was that defining moment that you just said, that's it, I'm doing it? That's a really good question as well. Um, I think the I'm I'm kind of a mixed decision maker, and maybe that probably also counts for most people. But like my approach to these big decisions is to make a big Excel and then start entering some criteria and then start <laughs> scoring. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I absolutely did that this time as well. But then in the end, funny enough, you like kind of scratch the criteria and then you like try to listen to your gut and then say, okay, I'm going to go this way. So I think this was one of these decisions again. And I think mm-hmm. it, um, I thought about this for a really long time. And I think um, if I remember correctly, the criteria that I think I looked at is kind of how motivated do I feel to work on the topic? And that's what made it tricky for me in this particular decision, because I liked my topic, mm-hmm. right? I believed what I'm researching is useful and meaningful, the other part I think that played a big role was um, colleagues and kind of my peers, whom mm-hmm. am I surrounded by? Um, there is this concept around <clears throat> you are the average uh, of the people that surround you. Around you, yes. And there is nothing, <laughs> there is nothing to say against academics per se, right? Like academics are wonderful people, intellectual people are very interesting. It's great to listen to them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also felt I miss the drive of wanting to change the world, not only study it. Mm. Um, so that I think score didn't go like all as high as I wished it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other part is exactly this, like how much impact can I make? What I, I will spend many years and many hours per day because I am a very dedicated worker in that sense. I like working. I, mm-hmm. um, it's not always positive. I also struggle with the the price that I pay for it, but I really Any like boundaries. my work. <laughs> exactly. Boundaries, very mm-hmm. difficult <laughs> in many ways, but I really enjoy working on specifically problems that I like. However, I also do want to see that my time and energy is paying off. And I think being mid thirties now, I also know life is not unlimited. It will potentially eventually end. I need to make sure I make the most of it. And I couldn't really answer this really well in the PhD because I Mm -hmm. felt how many people ever read a scientific paper on leadership. Mm -hmm. And when I started doing research in the field, I also realized and kind of confirmed my previous internship type of experience that Mm -hmm. practitioners don't really read these papers. Right. And the amount of time it takes until my research or anyone's research for that matter hits the mainstream bookstore 
Mm -hmm. I think Simon Sinek and Adam Grant are doing a fantastic job at this. Mm -hmm. But what about everyone else? <laughs> right. So like all this other research that we're finding out day by day gets published, but doesn't get read, I think was a very important, very stressful moment for me because I first I felt this doesn't feel right. I can't be producing this type of mm -hmm. um, insights for the rest of my life when, when only very few people have access to it. And it really bugged me. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, it actually plays such a big role for Bunch right now because one of the, um, I think the mission tangents, one of the aspects of our mission is really to democratize access to leadership knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I do think it has a lot to do with my time during my PhD studies right. where I was really frustrated about the fact that there is so much knowledge out there already. It's just that we don't apply it because we can't access it. And we're also too busy to consume 32 page long scientific papers. It's really inaccessible. And so it was an important aspect, I think. Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, we bunch and beyond barriers are very similar in that we are trying to democratize that access and get that transfer of knowledge out there so that people Absolutely. can um, be the most exceptional leader that they can be. And my question to you is, I loved what you said, because I, I do follow and read some of uh, a lot of your stuff. And you mentioned that there are limiting beliefs that many people have that leadership is this innate equality or this kind of like you're either born with it or, you know, that the, there are leaders and there are non-leaders and, you know, it's just some natural thing. And you, you know, through your research and everything that you said is, but this is not true. You can, it's something that can be learned. It's a skill that can be learned. Tell me a little bit about that. What, you know, how did you discover that? And, you know, and how are you um, helping people find their inner leader? Yes. I think when we think back on what leadership, even as a term, kind of is associated with still, I believe, um, mm -hmm. we notice this sometimes in our user research and marketing research, mm -hmm. that the term itself is not a very inclusive term. Because in the past, uh, historically, we've seen white male leaders carrying the troops forward, right? Like the Napoleons of the world and and so on. And I think there is nothing wrong with that part of history per se as being it, it being history. And right. we've moved forward and we've moved on as humanity and as a society in our understanding what it means to rally people, to help people to stand up and to make the change that they want to see in the world. And I think this is what I've always been motivated by. And I think when we when you start building a startup, you kind of just start somewhere. So um, the the definition part of things doesn't come until like very much after when you already have half of the product and then right. the user base. And then people suddenly ask you, what did you define as leadership? And so I actually took um, a few weeks to think about this question before we kind of settled on a definition. But I think in my eyes, what leadership means today is to have positive impact on yourself and others. Mm. And this is, in my eyes, a set of behaviors. This is a commitment. It's an attitude. It's a choice you have every single day with every single person you meet. Right. And as a leader, you can achieve this impact, or you can also fail in achieving this impact, or you can also decide not to pursue it actively because of whatever other priorities you currently have. Right. So this kind of unlinks the 
role of managers that we oftentimes, I think, synonymously use for yes. leaders from the actual leadership act, which is an act of commitment, of, of um, dedication, of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I believe that once we kind of commit to this or once we understand it a bit more inclusive um, and in a way that it's a set of behaviors, it opens up the opportunity that everyone on a team, independent of their role and independent mm-hmm. of their department or whatever their hierarchical level is, actually can and does lead in certain situations. Right. And on the flip side, many of the negative consequences we, or many of the negative situations we see in teams today or in organizations today, and I think it's been, it's probably gotten worse over the impact that COVID has had because virtual collaboration is even more difficult than collaboration in in real life. Right. A lot of these negative kind of um, symptoms that we see have to do with the fact that there is either a lack of clarity that everyone can actually step up and lead. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes teams are left in waiting, kind of not understanding, oh, I could actually interject right now and I could probably help the group to move forward. I could ask a question. I could come in with a statement. I could give a perspective, mm-hmm. but they don't dare to do so because they aren't the leader, right? They aren't the manager of the group. They are not the facilitator or the moderator of that meeting. And so many things go wrong because of that. And we miss so many opportunities that at one point we basically decided to, or we understood with our community of users as well, which is over 15,000 right now, Mm -hmm. that in the end, it's really a matter of attitude and mindset. And the more we all encourage each other to step up and lead, the more we benefit from each other. So it's not one of it's not a phenomenon of the negative side of power, so to say. So it's not like if I lead, you can't. Right. It's more a dance and a dynamic type of phenomenon where if you get stuck right now, I can take over and I can jump in. And then once I can actually fall back a little bit more, then you can come in. And it it becomes this behavioral pattern. Mm-hmm. rather than a title or a role or any type of kind of formalized responsibility. And I think this is, to be honest, one of the reasons why we speak to so many people, because we open up this kind of um, box of, and these are all the tactics right. <laughs> that typically right. are only taught to managers, but who actually said you team member can't know about them? Right. And it doesn't make any sense that you don't know about them because effectively their tactics, how to communicate better, how to have better meetings, how to give better feedback. And right. couldn't we all benefit from it? It wouldn't be all a bit easier if we would all be more literate in that regard. So I think the traction we see with Bunch has a lot to do or has just as much to do with the fact that the product experience is engaging and good. But I think if not even more, just with the fact that we speak to this marginalized huge part of the population mm-hmm. that kind of sits there and says, I probably could do some of these things, but I kind of need that push. And like my manager is not pushing me and my colleagues are not seemingly, they don't seem that interested in me stepping up either. So right. I probably will try and see how I get along. And I think when you actually get a tool on your hand that encourages you every day mm-hmm. to take the lead and to step up, I think it becomes much, much, much easier. 
Right. So you're kind of fostering or encouraging this idea of bringing your diversity, like diversity of thought, right? And allowing almost crowdsourcing leadership in a, in a group or in a room, right? That everybody can kind of come in and give their perspective and you have a more informed decision opposed to one perspective and everybody kind of has that halo effect that they kind of just nod and agree. And then you fall into this whole group think issue where everybody is thinking one way and it could be the wrong way. Um, Absolutely. I, I love I love this phrasing, by the way. It's great phrasing. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Crowdsourcing um, leadership wisdom and leadership perspectives and, and leadership courage, I think, is exactly what it's about. Yes. <laughs> fantastic. I love that. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com quiz and take the quiz today. Now, let's shift gears a little bit because, you know, you were in this academic space and, you know, doing all the research, gathering the empirical data, and then you said, okay, I'm going to just dive right into the entrepreneurship. And so, that definitely is, you know, changing paths and really changing lanes dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, what gave you, like, how did you seek out, um, like, the the advisors, the mindset, the influential people who all of a sudden you're like, okay, I know what it's like to be a researcher and I'm surrounded by academics and everything, but now I want to run a business. How did you get access to people who helped you figure out what you needed to do? Mm -hmm. So I think the beginnings of Bunch were actually much more uh, bootstrapped and kind of like grassroots efforts, which I think gave me a lot of confidence. So when I started the business, I actually wasn't even looking so much to do kind of the VC-backed startup thing. Um, I didn't really think much about the big picture immediately. I think what I was interested in is to, I saw a problem and I wanted to solve it. So I saw the problem that many founders, many entrepreneurs always get blocked by, or many times get blocked by a very um, similar barrier and that being that they are so focused on their customers and their product and the fundraising and the operations that the human factor oftentimes gets way too little attention. And mm. the consequence of this is that they actually, if they build a really good beginning team and the core DNA of the company is very much related with teams, especially in the tech space, they can't scale it. So mm. either it fails in the first kind of like trials already and it's difficult right. or even if that works the first 10 15 people they are this glued together group but then you get funding and then you try to scale up to 20 30 50 and beyond and that becomes very difficult and there's a lot of cultural um, eruption happening and then companies imploding and I was just always thinking about this from perspective again of like this is not magic. <laughs> Scaling and building teams requires dedication and it requires thought and it requires intentional, thinking and acting. However, it isn't that difficult as we all make it. There is no reason why so many 
teams and organizations need to struggle so hard. And I'm not even talking about the real problems in the workplace, like the lack of diversity, for instance. I think a lot of the, what we see in the workplace right now is actually kind of unnecessary and we can tackle it. Mm. We have what it takes. We just need to understand what's happening. We need to find the right methods and the right rituals and the right kind of initiatives. And then we need to execute them and learn from mm -hmm. whether we achieved what we need to achieve or whether we need to try again. So iterate, iterate, and iterate. And I think observing this um, inspired me and also encouraged me to go out and do the thing that we're doing with Bunch right now, I think. This, is, this was the beginning of um, the company, really. Connecting and bringing insights from the research world Mm -hmm. digesting it down into tangible, actionable, bite-sized information that a busy entrepreneur can understand right. <laughs> and can act upon, and basically feeding them with an understanding of what's happening in their companies, but at the same time being able to put in place simple rituals that are effective and impactful. And in the beginning of the company, we had a consultancy-driven model. So even though we were quite standardized and used a lot of templates and kind of we're developing a database, which was the beginning of the product, actually. Right. We really were just kind of like a consultancy of a few people. We started growing. I hired a few more freelance psychologists and a few more consultants. And we started kind of just onboarding more and more clients. And at one mm -hmm. point in time, one of our investors <laughs> that invested in us as, as um, the very first kind of institutionalized angel mm -hmm. picked this up in the market and basically called me out and said, well, Daria, this is great that you're doing this as a consultancy, but isn't this like already becoming kind of half of a product? I mean, it's not that you're sitting there in long <laughs> workshops with these founders. You're actually feeding them the right information at the right time. And that looks much like a product to me, which probably many more people will need in the future. And, you know, future of work. And yeah. I, I love to support you on this journey and we all will need more of this. And I think this was the first moment where it actually really occurred to me that, hmm, this may be my mission after all. This may actually be my contribution to, mm -hmm. to the world in a way to make sure everyone in the world that ever has or runs into a people challenge mm -hmm. <laughs> or a human challenge at work has the right answers at the tip of their hand right. when, whenever they need it. That's fantastic. And, you know, I love what you were saying that, you know, there are rituals and habits that, you know, will help you be successful. What are some of the daily habits or rituals that are key to your career success? What are some of these things that you say I practice every day, especially when I'm dealing with um, some sort of conflict or some sort of roadblock um, in, in, my, in my workspace? I would love to share a few things that have worked for me, but also maybe the, the things that I'm struggling with because I, I'm a big <laughs> believer in, <laughs> in, in sharing challenges. And, uh -huh. and um, um, I think, yeah, it's really interesting because I do believe that not, every, not, not all the same things work for everyone, right? We are right. Um, all different in our preferences. I think what has worked for me really well as an individual in terms of productivity and kind of staying focused is... I am definitely an early riser and trying to be a early kind of uh, evening um, kind of person. So I try to get to uh, bed and winding down actually quite early between like 10 and 11 latest, mm -hmm. not always successfully yet, <laughs> but uh, 
really trying hard because I think as the key to a successful morning and to an early morning is an early evening. I think that's very clear. I think sleep is extremely important. And most founders and most um, executives and managers I know are struggling with this. And I think if we would be better with it, many things would be easier for us and for our teams. Uh But I really try that. I think journaling has also changed the game, even though Mm. I am still in this phase where I'm kind of doing it for a few days in a row. And then I'll lose it again. And then I need to pick it up. So I'm still in this like habit building phase of eventually, I think I will end up in a space where it becomes a natural routine, but it definitely requires a lot of effort and dedication to actually Mm -hmm. keep it up. When I journal, um, I've tried a few different questions and I think the best or the learning I made there is keeping it simple is the best. So Mm -hmm. kind of like three questions max. I tried like eight and then five and two. (laughs) I think three is a good number. (laughs) Okay. Um, And meditation has changed the game for me. Mm -hmm. However, just as with um, running, it was a really long um, period of time where I didn't understand what it does. And being as a, a very kind of active and extrovert person, it isn't easy to sit on a cushion or lie on a bed for 20 minutes and be quiet. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but as I continue doing it, and I think calm helped me a lot. So I'm, I'm in the calm camp. I know Headspace yeah. is doing also an amazing job. <laughs> <Thank you>. uh-huh. <laughs> and, and there's probably many others, but I think um, it, it, yeah, you need to develop a taste for it. And eventually when you actually have enough patience, it becomes at this point, it's something that I can't live without anymore because some days are really stressful and there is a lot of like conflicts or critical conversations, negotiations with investors, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. If I meditate in the morning, at least 15 minutes, better 20, and I meditate in the evening, I know it will go better. And it's really kind of magical because it's, I don't really know why I haven't dug too much into the brain science yet, but it really, really, really helps. And it probably took me two years or so to actually get to the point where it becomes effective. So it's a really long journey for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And last but not least, I'm a big reader. Um, And when I started the company, I started losing it because it was just too much to do. And I felt like I can't fit that in. I didn't want to allow myself to read because I could be doing business things in that time. And like, how can I read? (laughs) And now I actually establish a really good routine, which I really can highly recommend to anyone who likes reading. It's the typical, I think, thing, but it's um, when you get to do it, it's really effective not having a phone past like your bedtime, so to say, and actually reading a book in bed mm-hmm. before going to sleep, I think is really good. And then I do um, podcasts and audiobooks in the morning mm-hmm. and uh, also do my bunch tip in the morning when I make coffee and tea. So that's, I guess, my... Um, kind of my personal rituals, but on the team ritual side, I think we do um, eat our own dog food at bunch, of course. So (laughs) I do try a few of the tips. And I think my favorite one currently is the behavioral retrospective. Mm, That's interesting. Share. (laughs) (laughs) So when I have two co-founders and co-founder relationships are very complicated because they're kind of like colleague relationship, but at the same time, you're kind of married to your self and then to your company. And it's very weird. Um, We have three people, so it doesn't make it easier always. But uh, what I have learned when when dynamics get complicated between the three of us, we've tried different things. And at this point, because we've been doing it for a few years now, we also, um, I think, have fun with the conflicts. You know, it's like, it is annoying in that moment, but at the same time, we know, okay, we need to try another 
template now because that's how <laughs> we can resolve it. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the behavioral retrospective is really interesting because it borrows from the agile framework of retrospecting in software mm -hmm. teams. And you can apply to a two people conflict or three people kind of retrospective. And it it's really straightforward, but because in the app you have the template that kind of guides you through step by step, we basically then open the app and the first step is you write down your frustration. So like, I feel like this and this and this, and you focus on behavior. So you're allowed to say, well, you, Jim, like, do you do these things always? And this makes me feel like this and this and this. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very important that it's kind of like, not because you are that type of person, it's more around the behavior. And right. then the second step is that you actually share and listen without interruptions, ask clarifying questions. You're giving like a few question prompts, which are right. okay to be clarifying questions and refrain from immediately defending yourself. And then the third step, I think, is to focus on kind of alternatives. So what can be done? And you can brainstorm this together. And then you take away action items and you go away. And I yet have to see a conflict that we haven't been able to solve this way. Mm -hmm. And it's really impressive because you go in and you're really heated at times and it's like a lot at stake. Yes. But then you walk out after an hour and you're like, okay, we, this feels good. The action items make sense. I feel calm now. It's, it's good. So yeah, that's probably the. That's My fantastic. And I think the other kind of um, encouragement that you get out of this is that even the best of us who know all of these like tactics that you it's only human, you still run into conflict. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, I'll get frustrated with myself and say, okay, you know, better, like, we shouldn't even be having this conflict, because we're in the business of, you know, making people successful. And, and it's like, well, it's, it's human. So no, we're not going to be able to stop it. But we know how to solve it and how to work around it and work through it. So I think that's fantastic. And I'm so glad you shared that because then you, like you said, it, it, you, if you follow the, the template, if you follow the model, then you come out to a very positive, um, you know, absolutely solution at the end. Um, and it works. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and then there you, you also have like, you know, just social proof and proof that, Hey, this is working. It actually works. <laughs> exactly. So it's fantastic. Exactly. And, Maybe to, double, to, to kind of um, um, connect back to the point that I think you made um, earlier around how does it actually, what's up with this leadership as a behavior type of right. topic and how do we actually become leaders nowadays and how do we formulate these like behaviors that are successful behaviors? I think it's really important that maybe another attitude that we see changing and that already is very prevalent in the new generation, so millennials and Gen Z is, mm -hmm. we're all work in progress everything is kind of like an iteration. We're never yes. complete. We're never done. And so we can't ever be the perfect leader that maybe we thought we need to be in the past. Right. And this idea of just trying things out again and again and again every day, not because you want to be perfect, but because what else would you do, right? Like you right. run into an issue or a challenge, you try a solution idea, Maybe from someone that has shared it with you or someone you learn from, you reflect upon that learning and you move on. And so the idea, I think the change that we see in the current generation, which is really important and I think really moves the needle or moves us as humanity really significantly forward is to admit that we make mistakes, that we misstep. Mm -hmm. And that the most important thing is that we improve every day. And even if it's only 1% and maybe in some days it's 0.1%. Mm -hmm. And in some others, maybe it's five, uh -huh. <laughs> but 
it there isn't really an absolute ceiling to what you can achieve. And there is so much that you can change about yourself in your life. There isn't really an end to how moldable I think we are. Mm -hmm. And you're in the driver's seat in the end, right? So you decide to pick up mm -hmm. the template and to try it out. And you decide to step up and say, this may be funny, but I do have this thing yeah. <laughs> I want us to try. Because in the end, many, I think this is a very known quote, but many, many, many great things lie beyond discomfort, beyond the uncomfortable conversation, but also maybe beyond the uncomfortableness of like trying a new thing and coming right. up with a new idea. So definitely, I think this is, this is something very important in my eyes is a big change, game changer for um, also female leadership, because I do think women lead differently. And I think there is a lot of room mm -hmm. now to actually do that. Yeah. And I love what you said that, you know, in for these younger generations, millennials, the Gen Zers, all of them, they are used to an environment. I mean, especially in this digital age, right, that products and things are always innovating. So there's always, you know, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And so it only makes sense that as a person as well, you're constantly innovating and improving and changing. And so you're never going to be the static product. Um, you're constantly growing. Exactly. And I love what you said, too, is that, you know, I always attribute it to like, okay, you've got to, you've got to embrace growth, um, a mindset of growth. And there is that saying of, you know, growing pains. And so you are going to, it's going to be painful in some cases, right? But it, it kind of goes to whenever there's growth, there is some sort of, you know, a little bit of, of change and, and pain associated, maybe not physical pain, but it's just hard. It's awkward. It feels weird. Um, and so you've just got to embrace that. And it's part of the, you know, no pain no gain. So just really kind of embracing that kind of mindset as well. I think it's fantastic. Um, Daria, this has been so fascinating and so insightful. Um, I love to ask all of our guests, always one last question of, you know, we really try to help women accelerate their success. And what would your, you know, last piece of advice be for women on accelerating their success in this, you know, day and age? Um, what, what would you leave them with? I think trusting yourself and trusting your both intuition and your thinking and relying on first principles thinking. So, if it doesn't make sense for you, there is probably something up with that. Mm. Asking questions and not accepting anything else until you get to a point where it actually things start to make sense for you. So trusting your judgment intuitively as well as rationally is very important. And I wish I would have done this more often in the past. Um, I think self-censoring and kind of self-judgment and doubting is... Definitely, I think a, um, a thing that a lot of women struggle with, including myself. And I think having awareness that this is just something we struggle with. This doesn't define us. This is, right. we just need to label it as, oh, there's a doubt. Okay, <laughs> it'll pass. This is not who we are. I think it's a very important point. And I think that probably combined with the growth mindset of understanding, if I fail, it's because I didn't take the right approach. I maybe didn't put the right effort. Maybe I made some mistakes along the way. Maybe some of my assumptions are not correct. So none of this means that I am not capable. I am not a leader. I don't deserve this or I can't do this. It only means I have to rest, 
reset, rethink, go back to the starting line and start over again, analyzing what has gone wrong the first time around. I think it's really, really important. And beyond that, I believe that, and I see that every day working with female founders and I've been mentoring a lot of female founders lately as well. Women are so resilient and so persistent and so creative and we need so much more of that energy, I think, in entrepreneurship, but also in the workplace overall. So it's really worth fighting for the stepping up and the voicing and kind of pushing for discomfort. Um, yes, I think that's just, I think, what maybe the, the most important thing. Aside of this, as a tip maybe, or mm-hmm. as something that I wish I would have used more often is use the resources that are available. Mm. Not being afraid to ask for help, not being afraid to ask for favors, not being afraid to dig into Google and find tools and hacks and toolkits and Mm. a bunch is a beautiful example. I think it gives a cutting edge because it gives a lot of access to mental frameworks and tips and templates that otherwise you would need to dig out and so on and so on. And that's something we basically shortcut the search for you and also the summarizing of the right mental models, mm-hmm. using these type of tools to really become better and improve every day just a little bit and not losing any day on the path towards it, I think is uh, very important. And at the very end, being kind to yourself and being thankful for everything you bring to the table. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, Daria, I think, you know, what you're bringing to the masses in, through Bunch is absolutely phenomenal. And it's so in line with what we do here at Beyond Barriers. So it has been absolutely wonderful having you on. And I know that our listeners are going to want to know more about Bunch and Daria and how to follow you and, and connect. So what is the best way for our listeners to get more or to learn more about you and Bunch, um, how can they be in touch? Yeah, I would really love to hear from all of you, of course. And I think I'm best found nowadays on Twitter and Instagram, both Daria Gutnick. And I'm also trying out Clubhouse. So doing a lot of different sessions there and also a really good place to connect and to actually speak with each other. So same nickname, Daria Gutnick there as well. And as for Bunch, um, it's currently available on the Apple App Store. So just simply going to the App Store and looking for Bunch Leadership or Bunch Leadership Coach, you'll find us. It's free. Download, try it out and let us know what you think. Thank you so much, Daria. It has been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.